Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Creative Collaboration Show with Chuck Anderson, and uh, I have another amazing guest for you. And uh, before I introduce him, I just want to remind everybody, you know, our theme here uh, in every show, we do talk a little bit about collaborations and joint ventures and how those are the key to not just growth in your business, but in a lot of times, exponential growth. And, you know, we're, we really encourage people to move away from this idea of, you know, I'm a solopreneur, I'm doing things myself. And as so you know, we're very, very pro collaboration, very pro joint venture partnership. Well, today's episode is going to be entirely dedicated to that uh, because our guest here today has really embraced that in his business. It's got multiple ways that he collaborates and partners with people. And so I've, uh, we've been trying to get this uh, uh, scheduled for a while. We're finally here. So uh, my guest today is Igor Kafetz. Welcome to the show, Igor. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, hope to inspire the listeners for uh, more partnerships and collaborations. I'm sure you will. And I know, you know, just in our pre-chat and when we spoke uh, earlier this year, uh, it's pretty obvious that, you know, you've embraced this in your business and you've been able to 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 make that work for you. So, yeah, so let's let's dive in and 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 share with everybody. But, you know, I think the, the place to start is let everybody know a little bit more about you. Who are who are you and, and a little bit more about your business? And we'll go from there. So I help people make money with e-farming. We have a coaching, mentoring program, a bunch of products and services in the make money online space. They range from as little as $10 to as high as, you know, thousands of dollars. And, um, you know, basically you can call me uh, an information marketer, coach, consultant, whatever. And uh, a big part of my business today is creative collaborations uh, that allow me to have just an automated stream of leads coming in on daily, weekly, monthly basis. In fact, just as we're uh, filming this, I'm doing a collaboration this week. I actually got several going on, but one of them is, you know, just stands out so much that um, I've received in the last 24 hours over 800 leads uh, from just one collaboration coming in. And um, I didn't have to like be there, put in the work, fly out to a seminar, speak on a stage, it is, it's happening automatically without me being involved. And uh, I think that's a tremendous advantage because it, it creates a lot of space for me to just focus on growing my business, further developing my products, rather than having to be stuck in the trenches, you know, doing the guerrilla marketing uh, as I used to do when I was a one, one man show. Amazing. Well, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to diving into that. By the way, you mentioned the e-farming thing. We've got a link to that beneath the video if anybody wants to check out and see what that's all about. It's a, it's a great offer. I, I think you touch on something that's really important, and I think why collaborations have played such a big role in my business as well. But, you know, getting 800 leads in a single campaign, I mean, the, the you know, the the challenge that a lot of business owners have, I mean, they'll say, okay, well, what do you need in your business? Well, I need more sales. And where am I going to get more sales from? Well, I need more leads. And some people say they have a sales problem, but they don't really have a sales problem. What they have is a leads problem, either in generating them or following them up. So 
Um, how important is that in your business, that generation of new leads con continually? Well, it's pretty important. I think uh, most of everything that I do um, is usually geared towards lead generation. Um, um, I don't think there's anything that I will do uh, that will result in one-time sale or just an immediate sale without capturing the lead. It, it'll be always preceded with getting an email address or, or you know, getting some kind of contact established because over the years, I just learned that you get better conversions this way. Plus, you know, many people... Uh, should I say most people, they don't buy on the first exposure with you. You know, there's probably a 10% or so of your market who are like ready to go now and then they know what they want. And as long as you just stand up, raise your hand and say, I offer service X, Y, Z, you know, they'll, they'll reach out to you. But, you know, most people, there's a, for them, there's a timeline. You almost want to think about it like, like strawberries, you know, some of them are green, some of them are like getting red, but not really. Uh, and some of them are ripe for the taking. Um, and so when you lead generate, rather than just sell, 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 um, you're getting the benefit of almost cultivating this uh, strawberry bush or strawberry field where they're just slowly percolating and getting to condition until they're ready to be uh, to be picked. So um, I, I agree that lead generation is absolutely tremendous. And even when I set up any sort of collaborations or partnerships, I always think in terms of equity. Um, like if I own the lead, I have equity in my business. In fact, I would argue that, uh, you know, my, my leads and my list of contacts, my database is way more valuable to me than, you know, for example, my products, because, you know, if I lose my leads, but keep my products, I'll have to be rebuilding the database. But if I lose my products, but have my leads, I can actually launch something within just a few days. In fact, I can probably launch something without building the product first to get paid up front and then build it once I got paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge advantage when you do have that foundation of leads. And I would say also the ability to bring new and fresh leads in and uh and so um which i want to talk about a little bit more i mean that's where i think collaborations and partnerships really impact my business and i'll get you to weigh in on that but first i just uh because because you do have that base of leads and and you mentioned something really important and that is probably only 10 percent are ready to go now so what do you do with the rest of them what it, what it, what are you finding is the uh, like, what's the time frame from you know? Okay, so they're not going to buy right away to the point where they are going to buy, and 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 so what are you finding is most effective for you in, in that? So the thinking is, we we really don't know when they're they're going to be ready to buy, but the assumption is also that um, at any given point within my big database, there's going to be a number of people who are. So if this week they chose not to act on a promotion, I'll just run the next promotion next week. It could be for a different product. It could be the same product, but a different bundle. Like if my program is say a thousand dollars and they didn't go for it this week, next week I'll run a promotion where, you know, it's a, it's a lighter version, but it sells for 500 or maybe it's a bundle of three of my, you know, flagship uh, uh, products bundled together into one price. And, you know, I would basically try and come up with creative ways to make offers. Uh, that's, I think, that's the what following up with people is all about. It's really not about telling them about your kids or telling them about your hobby that you like to surf on the weekends. It's, it's not about, you know, 
putting yourself out there. It's more about, okay, last week's offer, some bought, others didn't. This week, what sort of offer can we put together in front of them that they would see it and be like, wow, that's a really good offer. I'd be stupid not to get it, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, this is, these are some of the lessons that I learned when I started my agency. Um, and you know, basically what I started doing is, at some point is I started just sending out daily email. And in that daily email, there would always be the same offer for my agency and be like, okay, reach out to us, reach out to us, reach out to us. And that's effective. But then I said, can we mix it up? And um, I started putting together these unique promotions, unique, if you will, packages. So if the initial offer was, we're going to do this service for you, then next week I, I put together you know, an offer for, okay, get the service and get this amazing bonus for free. So all of a sudden, the offer became a little bit sexier, and I strategically made an effort um, to, um, to make the bonuses almost more valuable or more desirable uh, than the service itself. And, and by doing so, by driving the premium first, um, I was able to uh, substantially boost the revenues of my agency. Um, of course, what this also does is you end up testing lots of different offers lots and lots and lots of them and so before you know it you start you'll get a few losers of course but you also get a few winners and when you get a few winning offers you can actually look at these offers look at the statistics and redefine or, or redevelop your front-end offer altogether um, or maybe even incorporate that offer in your back end so once somebody becomes a customer you can increase um, overall customer value by uh, making an additional offer right away. So this was, for example, the way I discovered uh, that when I sold the initial offer in my agency for at the time, it was uh, $787. Don't ask me why that price. It's just, you know, I was like raising the price until I hit a resistance, right? Um, uh, we discovered that we could also upsell with a $497 a month. And we had about 20, maybe 30% of people take that. So all of a sudden, the average customer value increased dramatically, and we didn't have to drive more traffic. But then, you know, we started testing some additional stuff, and we found out that if after this second offer for 497 a month, we offered a one-time um, a one-time offer where they could pay a one-time payment of $3,000, $29.97, um, um, for a quote-unquote lifetime membership. Mm -hmm. um, another 25% of the people who took the, the previous offer would take that. So all of a sudden, you know, you're getting one sale that turns into an additional money, but then also into a big lump sum where I think about 70% of it was profit. And that changes the, uh, the mathematics in your business. Uh, imagine what you could do if without changing anything up front, you simply were able to get an extra 50% uh, for your bottom line just by incorporating smart offers on the back end. And again, the reason it happened was because I tested offers to uh, the people who didn't buy right away. Now, what's really funny is that I got this book. It's called The List Building Lifestyle, Confessions of an Email Millionaire. And um, you know, a lot of people tell me, oh, Igor, that's a funny title. Well, what they don't know is that this title is a winning subject line to people who didn't buy my product. I was just looking at the open rates I was getting and this one got the, the, the highest open rates, which, you know, which is how I decided to make it a title for my book. Wow. I love that. So, so, and I've met so many book authors, you know, they're 
brainstorming titles and their workshopping titles. And uh, I love what you've done. It's like, you know, you go back to your emails and say, what words, what language performed the best? Which ones got the highest response? And then you make that your book title. Yeah. Right? Uh, so the idea came from Tim Ferriss. Uh, I think I read somewhere that Tim Ferriss, the author of the four hour work week said mm -hmm. that the four hour work week was a winning Edwards headline, I believe. So when I read it and I said, well, you know, I don't run too many Edwards ads, but I do email a lot. So uh, let's see what subject line won. And uh, it did. And I said, you know what? I like the creativity to sit here and brainstorm titles. Plus I can be brainstorming titles for the, for, you know, until next year. And I still, still won't know. So I might as well go with, uh, with the numbers. Amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's a great thing to do now. Um, talk about frequency of email a little bit, because one of the things that I think helped you to come to that is you said you were, you're emailing daily, yep. similar offer, but then you tweaked it and it's like, oh, okay. And then you, offering different bonuses in that yeah. um and and so what did you because i have conversations with people all the time and sometimes arguments about <laughs> email frequency um how much is too much and how much is too little uh with um i think that the baseline as to how much is too much shifted over the years because when i started with email um if i told anyone that i was emailing twice a day I would be immediately labeled as a spammer and nobody wants to touch me with a stick. Um, but these days I know a lot of people who email their list way more than twice a day. In fact, some days um, I'll even email six times if it's the last uh, day of a promotion. So the deadline day I'd be mailing very hard. And what's really interesting is that usually half the sales from a promotion would come from the last day. Which means on that last day, the closer you get to the deadline for your promotion, you can actually hit the list harder and the list doesn't mind. Um, so to answer your question, uh, unfortunately, there is no one-size-fits-all solution. But if I had to come up with a one-size-fits-all, I'd say you're safe to email every day, whether you're a lawyer, a consultant, um, a teacher, an educator a service provider, a software, a content newsletter, whatever. Uh, people have high tolerance for email these days. They prefer re to receive offers in email. There's been many studies done uh, by Adobe and other big companies, and Nielsen, et cetera, uh, that, that show us that people prefer to be pitched in email. That's why they invented uh, the promotions tab and people actually go into the promotions tab. And um, you know, um, there was a point in time, I think two years ago, when I became a little bit worried about the promotions tab. I was like, oh, my email is going to the promotions tab. I wonder how much more money would I be making if I went to the primary? And I actually found a way to get my emails out of the promotions tab and into the primary folder. Um, and you know what I discovered? My open rates went up, but my sales didn't. Now, with this, then this was very confusing at first. Um, what I concluded is that uh, apparently people actually do go and check out the promotions tab when they're in the mood to buy something. So even if they see your stuff while not in that mood, they don't necessarily want to buy more. Um, but even if you do land in the promotions tab, no big deal. People still go and check out your emails and read your emails and click on your links. They they prefer to have that control to say, you know what? I don't want to be pitched now. But in three hours when they feel like it, 
they'll they log on and read your email with a special offer. Um, so yeah, at least once a day, uh, you're safe. And and what you can do, you can actually use um, an approach that I call the castaway emails approach, where um, each email is basically separate from the rest. And you're almost like sharing your thoughts for the day, whether you email in the morning, in the afternoon, doesn't matter, you sort of send out this informational, but at the same time, a little bit entertaining email, almost treating it like, like talk radio, where, you know, you, uh, you know, shows like, I don't know, Howard Stern, or, you know, shows like that, where you can just share your thoughts and feelings, but find a way to tie that in to, to your offer. So for example, if you're a consultant to CEOs and your list is, uh, or people who follow you are CEOs and, you know, you can talk about a day in the life of a frustrated CEO, you know, mm. you're getting to work, you're all fired up to get shit done. And then, you know, as soon as you hit the office, you got 15 people hitting you up. Everyone's got a fire you need to put out. There's three documents waiting for your signature. Um, you know, there's a lawyer on the phone about this, and there's a marketing campaign that went to the crapper over there. And, oh, we just lost our hosting account. And so all of a sudden, all, all the plans that you had went down the drain, right? So if you're a CEO and you can relate, well, guess what? I got this amazing program. It's called, you know, CEO Productivity x and uh you know it's only 197 and it's going to show you my methodology to do xyz that's an email right it's, it's basically sort of uh, uh reflecting the frustration of your market but in the form of a story right that could be an email very easy to write very entertaining people who are ceos who can relate to the story will actually find it enjoyable they'll be actually reading it and be like nodding with their head and they'll be way more receptive to click on the link to check out your course and you can you can do it pretty much every day yeah that's that's a, a great i think one of the takeaways that i just got from what you were saying is if you if you make the content engaging and relevant that's they're they're going to get a lot more out of it. They're going to be a lot more respect receptive. I also love what you said about the promotions folder, because you know I I found myself having that same thoughts. It's like ah oh, the promotions folder, but it's not the primary. But I think you're right. There's a mindset difference when people are actually clicking on the promotions tab, and because now you know that type of email you're reading are promotions and so you're not rejecting it and i love it I, lo I love that idea so yeah absolutely and um again like there's been a lot of talk and fear about the promotion step over the years but you know if, if you ask anyone who emails a lot you'll see that it's it's just a lot of a lot of noise really mm -hmm. because people do go into the promotion step and i'll i'll go as far as saying it is better uh to land in the promotion step than it is to go to the spam box but if you're in the promotions tab, you're good. You actually don't need to worry too much about being in the primary or going to the social tab or whatever. Because when people get an email and goes to the promotions, there's still going to be that orange thing, that little orange uh, tag on top of it. So the, the OCD will force people to go and click on it and check it out. It's just they won't be misguided expectations with regards to is this a promotion or not? They'll know. And they'll approach it with that same mindset. It's the same as we when we run ads on social networks, for example. You know, do people know these are ads? Yeah, no one's trying to hide that fact, right? It says either sponsored or skip ad. So that's okay. But if the ad delivers the message at the right time to the right person, 
then you know it gets it gets the job done Mm, absolutely well obviously our theme here is collaborations and partnerships and you know i wanted to ask you um i know that you know we've talked about generate um, lead generation list growth um how important are collaborations and partnerships in terms of your overall lead generation and list growth i mean it sounds like you've got other things going on social media maybe some advertising uh and i know that you're you've got an affiliate program and and do jv partnerships as well uh talk a little bit about collaborations maybe in the overall mix and then how important they are to the you know the growth of your business Collaborations are a big part of my business. I'd say about 40% of my business is done through collaborations. And what I'm, uh, what I can also attest to is that um, I, I'd say the highest quality customers usually come from a, a collaboration of some sort. Could be somebody who listens to a podcast episode like this. Could be somebody who uh, gets on a webinar that a joint venture partner of mine, you know, promoted. Uh, so this transfer of credibility, I think, is really powerful. So just in the in the in the landscape of of lead generation, um, when you've got a consistent stream of leads coming through a collaborative relationship, you know, be it a quid pro quo or maybe you're paying commissions for referrals, um, what you'll notice is that getting an endorsement lead, meaning that you know your JV partner actually endorsed you to that particular group of people, um, makes pretty much everything else much easier. Because if I take just pure numbers, like uh, average customer value, average order size, average conversion, I can clearly tell that my paid traffic generation uh, efforts right? They fall short of the joint venture uh, lead generation. Anytime I talk to my sales guy, for example, right? Because he only gets to talk to people who started escalating through the back end. You know, um, anytime he sees that we had like a great JV and had a bunch of people come in, he's like excited because he knows these are going to be easy people to talk to. They're going to be very uh, easy to get to comply with our procedures and protocols. There's going to be way less skepticism for him to overcome, um, way fewer objections to handle, and way more um, willingness to spend money. And as a business owner, you know, I do have to look at that metric. Yes, it's also about helping people. It's also about, you know, the the, the rosy and pink thoughts of making the world a better place. But at the end of the day, uh, when when you got a couple hundred thousand dollars of, you know, payroll expenses, software bills, et cetera, I, I have to look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I would much rather spend more time and more effort and, and cultivate relationships over the course of the next, say, three years to create a sustainable partner-driven lead generation than to get stuck with, um, I, I'd say, um, paid traffic leads that are like less trusting. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these paid traffic leads are, you know, they're still skeptical. They're not sure can they really truly believe you. They're sort of like excited to start to take it, you know, to, to look, but at the same time, they still have a, a healthy degree of skepticism there. And you, you can tell by all the numbers, whether it's refund rates or the amount of money they spend on the first order, how quickly they escalate to the second order. I, I think, I think, uh, you know, 
JV uh, lead flow is unmatched. It's just the absolute best you can hope to get. Aside from people who you'd call um, upstream leads, as my friend Ben Settle calls them, so people who proactively seek you out in some way, they kind of find ways to get into your world without being necessarily pushed into it. You know, they'll hear your name on a podcast, they'll Google your name, find your website from 10 years ago, get on get on some page that you forgot even exists. Those would be the absolute best leads because they've invested to get onto your world. The next best thing is an endorsement from a joint venture partner. Really nothing comes close. Yeah, I you know, I have to agree with the campaigns that we have. I mean, they're they're so much easier to convert. Their attitude is different, their mindset is different that it's almost like and sometimes it's not positioned as a third or third party endorsement, but it's it, it's perceived, you know, it's perceived by them that way and so they come with that open mind. Uh when compared to something like a lead generated through a Facebook ad where you know, they weren't really looking for you. They were looking for what their mom had for lunch or whatever. And and so we interrupted with them an ad and, and they came in the door. Um, there's no relationship. And so, in fact, in a lot of our campaigns, we don't even run the ads anymore. We just go all in with affiliate partner traffic because because of all the reasons we just said. So, um, so. Yeah, I and I kind of knew when I answered the when I asked the question that it's a big part of your business. So, um, so my follow up question to that is, what do you look for in a JV partner or a collaborator? Because uh, I know that that's something that you guys are actively doing every day. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, we're obviously looking to see if they have reach. Or an audience because that's what makes that gv partner most attractive is can they bring the heat uh the other thing that i, I would say i'm looking for is um how are they generating the leads now it's not necessarily something i can know ahead of time or know about every single one of them but um sometimes you, you get a hunch because every now and again i'll, I'll have a gv partner um, whose audience just isn't fit um to the kind of products and that I that I sell. For example, if they're if they're uh, promoting a thousand dollar offer that's sold through a webinar, but I know that predominantly their list or audience uh, is used to buying you know twenty dollars a month pieces of software, then it's going to be quite difficult for me to convert them. I'm sure I can get a few sales, but it's not going to be the same result as if. Um, you know, a JV partner who is constantly conditions his audience to buy through webinars can generate for me. So, so that's probably uh, the second thing. The third thing that's a bit of a nice have really is clout. Uh, so in other words, do they have a reputation? Do people know them? Um, and I'm talking people in the industry because what I found is, um, you know, the joint venture scene or, or getting partnerships is a lot like high school. Like if you hang out with the cool kids, all the other kids want to hang out with you. So, you know, that's why when we were uh, able to secure partners, like, for example, the Rigidat company who ran our offer, you know, I immediately went on and put their information on my, you know, uh, recruitment page because, you know, like if somebody's looking over, and let's say they're not big, even if they're like small time, if they see that I work with guys like over at Ridge Dad, I mean, it's like, okay, so Igor, you know, is a somebody, he's got something going on. So they automatically want to work with me just because of that. Or if they were considering, this is like, 
you know, kind of tipping them off off the fence, if you will. So that's another thing that I would actually love to have in an ideal GV partner is somebody whose name carries value to other joint venture partners. Because if I think long-term, which I usually do, I think of equity in every sense. So if I've invested into building a relationship with a new JV partner, and obviously I also have to invest to maintain that relationship, um, then I want to make sure that there's not only the direct and immediate impact that, that I'll experience, such as them promoting my offers, but also the indirect where, okay, so maybe the joint venture with them wasn't necessarily a big hit, but it is because I am working with them. This other JV partner actually spotted me too. And this happens all the time. Like whenever I would um, get a, a big JV partner, somebody like who's you know top in the industry, um, within, I don't know, within 10 days, I get at least one message on, on email or WhatsApp or something. So, I'm, hey, so I, I saw that uh, so-and-so uh, mailed uh, e-farming. That's, that's cool. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, here's, the, here's the stats. <laughs> like, here's what they made. It's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, send, send, me, the, send me the JV doc. Send, send me more information. I, I might hit that. And I swear, the amount of times that happened to me in the last couple of years is, is ridiculous. Like, they, everyone's spying on everybody. And I'm pretty sure that's true for every industry, too. So because, you know, the riches are in the niches. So, like, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, I'm in the make money align niche. And there's probably about 350, maybe, maybe 500, you know, partners in this niche. And if you're in the financial space or weight loss or alternative health or something, there's also probably like a handful of players that everyone's watching. So as soon as you get one player to work with you, you know, everyone else kind of shows up right at your doorstep and you're like, Hey, I was, I was just thinking about you the other day. Uh, let's, let's get on a call. <laughs> your name just came up in a conversation. I hear that all the time. Too. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, the amount of clout that, that, that actually adds. And, uh, you know, to your point, when you're having the conversations, yeah, they kind of reject it the first time. Uh, but now then they see this evidence. It's like, oh, tell me about this thing again. What is this going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so, yeah, I've had that exact same thing happen to me. So, um, well, I love it. And, you know, again, you know, it's a JV conversation is how you and I met. And so not only does it help to build your business, but you get to meet really amazing, cool people as well. And I think, you know, one of the things I always tell people is patience with those. It's relationship building. Um, yes, affiliate and, and, and promotions, is there's a transaction to it. So it can be very transactional. But thinking big picture is, you know, treating people right. And, um, you know, if, if something's not the right fit today, it might be tomorrow. And uh, so to put more emphasis on the relationship than the transaction, both are important. But, you know, that's that's been our philosophy with it. So. Yeah. And, and if I recall the first conversation we had, you know, it was it was the case of, you know, I was like, hey, you know, here's my thing. And you're like yeah, but it's not a good fit. And, you know, mm -hmm. being able to just take that and be like, okay, not a good fit, no problem. And, but maintain the relationship is first of the mature thing to do uh, because um, I wasn't always like that. I'll be honest with you early on mm -hmm. when I, I used to take this personal 
uh, personally, uh, in my, with my first affiliate program, it was a very cheap program too. I think it was something like $17 and I was paying 100% commission. I was trying to attract affiliates. And I remember this one guy uh, looked at it and, and, and said something like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to run it. And I, I actually blocked him. <laughs> like, how dare you not run it. my promotion <laughs> yeah how dare you this is the best offer ever what are you you're stupid not to see it um but what i learned uh is, is this and this is something i learned probably over the last three years more so than before first off there's it's not always the right time sometimes you can have a great offer but they might be focused on working on a launch right and and right now they're not thinking about you know mailing anything um, other times, it could be just a, a bad fit for the audience. Like if I'm approaching with my e-farming offer, uh, somebody with a personal development list, you know, they're making a judgment call that, you know what, I don't want to send a business opportunity type of offer to a list of people who are into uh, NLP, right? Mm -hmm. it's, just net, it's just a judgment call specifically. Other times, they just don't like you as a person. Uh, or at least haven't had the chance to like you as a person. So you need a little bit more time to cultivate the relationship. And this happened to me many, many times, uh, maybe because of my Israeli slash Ukrainian upbringing, whatever, like I'm very direct in the way I communicate. And again, not everyone's cup of tea and that's cool. Um, but then, you know, I would have a conversation with somebody, not a good fit. A few months go by, we meet at a seminar. We go to like a, like a seminar in the industry. All of a sudden, you know, we sit down, have a drink or just chat and experiencing each other in person sparks a different, you know, uh, brain response or chemicals go off or whatever. And, and, and the conversation naturally flows into something like, you know what, you and me should do something together, right? It happens all the time. Other times they like the offer. Uh, like I said, timing may not be perfect or other times it could be a model um, a difference. So for example... If my model requires you to mail for my webinar for seven days, but your model, I actually had this happen, is exchanging two emails. Um, and I have to send, and these emails have to go out at the same time on certain dates. Uh, for example, like on the second of the month and on the 21st, right? And that's like the model that they're doing. Um, it's, it's not going to be a fit and that's, and that's perfectly fine. So I think the lesson I learned, the lessons I learned, um, uh, about cultivating, uh, uh, relationships and partnerships is a never take it personal, never take a no personally ever, because 99% of the time, it's really not about you. It really is one time, 1% probably about you. They probably hate you, but 99% <laughs> of the time. It's really not about you. It's a model uh, thing. It's a timing thing. You know, they could be just going through a rough patch with their uh, email software that's not delivering emails. It could be anything. And, and they usually don't communicate openly about it either. It's something you sort of discover three months later in a different conversation. And the second thing is you have to be very, very flexible because while the JV partner is mailing for you or promoting your stuff, um, it is up to you, besides making them a lot of money with a great offer, it's also up to you to adjust your um, operations to fit their operations. So if they've got this mindset or, or system in place where they will only promote one partner per month because the other three weeks 
or the other uh, mailing windows, they're promoting something else, they're promoting their own products or whatever. You have to be flexible and say, okay, well, if your next opening is six months from today, uh, sure, let's book it six months from today. You know, you can't insist on saying, no, 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 I, I, we have to do it in the next two weeks or it's off, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you'll be a douchebag. Uh, so, you know, you are coming in almost, it's almost like you're coming into their home. So you don't really get to impose your rules, right? You, you know, so if, if they want you to take shoes off when you get, get in and, you know, put on a pair of like hygiene slippers, you're doing that and you're saying please and thank you. And you're, you know, and if they, if they offer you milk and cookies, you take them because, mm -hmm. you know, they are doing you a favor uh, for running your offer. Uh, that's, that's how I see it. So as a result, uh, I had to get flexible. Some partners, you know, they're like, I say, well, we got this really cool webinar you can mail. And um, they're like, yeah, we don't do webinars. We don't mail webinars. Now, at first I was like taken aback because like, why wouldn't you You make more money? But they're like, well, we don't just not our model. We only mail VSLs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went ahead and I created VSL just for them. And, um, you know, that was okay. Another affiliate actually approached me, and this was tremendous. I, I feel very lucky to have uh, um, an, an affiliate like that. They basically saw my offer on a paid ad. Then they approached me and said, hey, uh, I'd like to run this. And I'd like to, you know, run it on cold ads and pay for the ad spend myself. Can we work out a deal? I was like, Wow. Okay, sure. What's the deal? And they're like, well, uh, we need to recover the ad spend. So, you know, give us uh, cost per action. So if we refer a sale to your product, you pay us this much per sale. And that's actually more than the sale price. Now, I look at their proposal. I look at my cost per sale from my ads. And I'm like, done. I'll be basically getting customers at a slight loss. But I'll be getting customers automatically without having to run the ads or put the money up front. So the affiliate actually carries all the risk and is generating me buyers for my business at a teeny, teeny, tiny loss. I grabbed by both hands, got my team. Okay, you see this guy? We build him a replica of our business. Now go. Seven days later, he's got his own thing. You need to install a pixel? Yes, give me the pixel. I'll put in the pixel. You need me to modify the copy? You want me to reshoot the VSL? You want me to create a new capture page? You want me to write 15 headlines? No problem. Want me to redo the, the follow-up sequence? Yes. So just earlier today, actually, he requested a new VSL. So I did it. I, I shot a new VSL, nine minutes long. It's like, here you go. Do you like it? It's like, yeah, I like it. Cool. Next step. We'll put it on the page. Okay. I Like, I'll do whatever. Uh, because he's he's basically doing me a huge favor by fronting the cash, generating the buyers, uh, and then growing my business, kind of growing my equity, if you will. Now, imagine if I come up with a different offer tomorrow. I can now actually approach him and say, hey, I got this new offer. Want to do the same thing? And so now, instantly, I got a lead gen stream happening without me having to do much work. Amazing. Um, so much good in all of that. And I, you know, the, the big takeaway there is, is, uh, look, they're doing you a favor. So, you know, be accommodating. And, uh, and I love all the stories that you shared about, you know, that initial resistance, it wasn't always there. We come across that all the time. I know I was like that as well. Uh, and, you know, not viewing 
viewing it as transactional and not as a relationship. And just because the timing or the no is today doesn't mean it's no forever. And it took me a long time to learn that as well. So, uh, and so, well, and take, for example, uh, us, like now the timing is better. We have other yep. opportunities that weren't available the first time we talked. And so if we treat it transactional, that goes away. If we nurture the relationship, that door is always open. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I love all of that. Well, we're almost out of time. So I want to make sure we talk about your book and uh, and 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 get the link to it. By the way, if you're watching this on video uh, and you resonate with what we're saying here, uh, you want to learn more about e-farming or you want to learn more about the book Igor is going to talk about right now. It's right beneath this video and on podcast. It's just on the show notes. You just have to go in the player wherever you're listening to your podcast. All the links are right there as well. So Igor, tell us a little bit about your book. Yes. So the book is called The List Planning Lifestyle Confessions of an Email Millionaire. It has this cover, so you don't miss it. Um, and it's just about my journey getting started with list building and why I chose list building as my primary form of lead generation, uh, follow-up, and uh, why I built my entire business around this one concept. Because I've always felt that, and again, I, I kind of explore this idea in the book as well, share my story, but I always felt that by building a giant list, it's almost like I'm building a brick wall around me to protect myself from anything that's made of dollar bills. Because anytime, if you're sitting on a big list, anytime you need money, send an email and you're going to make money, like whether to your own product, someone else's product. Uh, a service, maybe you're launching a book. Like this book became an instant bestseller on Amazon in its category. And it's actually three categories, primarily because I had a big list. And so I could mail and say, hey guys, go on Amazon, get it there, forward me a receipt, and I'll give you a thousand dollar bonus. Who wouldn't buy that, right? So um, everything becomes easier uh, including making money, but also launching different projects, collaborations, getting joint venture partners, everything becomes easier if you have a big list. And so this is what this book is about. And when you go to the link below the video or uh, the link in the show notes, I'll uh, print this book for free for you. And I'll ask you to chip in on shipping and handling. But for your trouble, I'll also throw in $3.2,000 of free bonuses that include courses on lead generation, on list building, as well as a traffic training. So you can start growing your list as well. So it's all on that link. Amazing offer, Igor. Thank you so much for that. Again, click the link beneath, beneath the video and in the show notes and go check that out. Um, and not just get the book, but that amazing uh, bonus package as well. Um, and so before we sign off, I want to ask you, just because books have been such a big part of my journey and all the learning in it, we highly recommend people to go get yours. But what book has really made a difference in in your journey uh that you would consider to be a must read there are only a handful of books like that that i would say fall into that category uh the one that that made the most lasting impact um on me in recent years was um never split the difference by chris voss by chris voss yeah uh, so this is an ex-FBI negotiator who goes on to share techniques that they use in uh, hostage negotiation and how to apply these techniques to your everyday life. These techniques are absolutely insane um, at how effective they are, as long as you don't lose your head. Because, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I do. For example, yesterday, 
I kind of lost it in a in an email negotiation chain uh, that has nothing to do with my business, more from a personal life and. I regret doing that, but you know, in my business, I tend to keep it level, and I use these techniques all the time to secure JV partnerships, to uh, make more sales, close more deals, uh, you know, make requests, even you know, just asking people for things that they are not really obligated to give me, but they end up doing that, and it's all thanks to that book. Um, I highly recommend reading it. I highly recommend getting it both. Uh, so you can read it like with your eyes, but also to get like an audio copy uh, for your uh, drive, workouts, et cetera. Because unlike many books, including my own, which is something I should admit, uh, that book is just every chapter is just full of practical, applic applicable advice that you can start using in your day-to-day -day life and business right away. These techniques are so crazy that I use them with my spouse. I use these techniques with both of my kids. Um, I I got to learn a lot about myself as a result of reading that book because uh, the book shows you how to, for example, how to de-escalate. Like if you're in a, in a heated argument with somebody, how to de-escalate it to a point where you're, you can communicate again. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely invaluable. And I keep referring to the notes from that book uh, again and again. So if you're into any kind of uh, selling or negotiating, which if you're listening to this, of course you are, we all are, mm. um, you absolutely have to check this book out. Yeah, fantastic recommendation. I don't think any of my guests have recommended that uh, one before, so you're the first. But I have, uh, I didn't read it, but I do have that one on Audible. So I, I listened to the, the audiobook version of that. One takeaway that was just, it blew my mind is that, uh, in a negotiation, you want the other person to say no instead of yes. And I just remember that uh, one of my early sales mentors, like, oh, you want to get them to say yes so many times. Uh, and when I listen to Chris, it's like, no, in the, in the hostage negotiation or whatever, um, you're trying to get the person to answer with a no. And if you can get them to answer with the no first, then you've almost surely won already. You just need to kind of go through the process. So um that was that was my takeaway from it uh complete opposite of what i was taught and uh just so many other really great uh you know nuggets of wisdom in that one so thanks for that recommendation that's a great one i'm gonna add that to the library and i think in our pre-chat here you had a really great idea of what we can do with these clips so i'll let you know uh, when that publishes, we'll put your we'll put your clip in there. Um, so Igor, thank you so much for your time. You've been extremely generous with your time. Uh, your um, your sharing your stories, your insights, your your tips on email marketing, which has been uh, amazing and probably more than uh, either one of us expected to to do today. So thank you for that so much. And to our audience, I highly recommend that you do connect with Igor. I've got all his links beneath this video and in the podcast episode uh, show notes as well. So Igor, thank you so much for being here. If you were to leave our, our, our audience with just one last piece of advice or words of wisdom, what would you leave them with here today? You know, um, I, I think I want to say that in spite of what many people might believe at this point in time, um, we are in a partnership economy. Um, if I look back on my journey uh, in my industry and uh, looking at the way different companies skyrocketed and different businesses blew up over the, over the course of the years and the people that I know, uh, I can often track back their success to at least one 
really, really good partnership. Um, in a sense, you know, could be in a sense of lead generation, could be in a sense of finding like a team member that made all the difference. Um, for me, I'm convinced that um, just in terms of lead generation in your niche, whatever that niche is, you can probably structure at least two to five key strategic partnerships with people who cater to the same market, but do it in a non-competing way. Um, I'll give an example. Earlier today, I was doing a consult with a tax lawyer who specializes in exit tax because I'm considering leaving Canada. And at the same time, he mentioned something during the consult about the way I can extract my corporate profits from my company while minimizing my tax burden from a 40% to 25%. And uh, I say, okay, how do you do that? He says, well, it's called uh, something. I don't remember what the term was. And he says, but I don't do it. This other guy, you know, does it. You probably want to talk to him. So immediately he refers me to this guy. Now I'm a paying customer. I pay this guy for a consult. So pretty much guarantee that I'm going to pay the other guy for the consult as well to find out how I save 15% on my taxes. So again, it didn't cost him money to refer me. I don't think he gets anything for referring me, but that's a strategic partnership that he's got uh, with this other guy that results in an instant and most importantly, high quality buyer for the other guy, which I'm sure they do it both ways, right? I'm sure the other guy refers back about exit taxes to this person. So both lawyers both deal with tax, but non-competing, right? So supporting, collaborating. And so by exchanging the customers, there you go. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm worth at least a couple of thousand dollars to each one of them uh, for their services, uh, for, you know, filing different applications and paperwork, et cetera. So it's, you know, one referral that's almost a guaranteed couple of grand. I think that's a good partnership. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you for sharing that story. That, I mean, that's, again, such a great example of, how collaborations and partnerships can play a role in all of this. So uh, thank you so much. Those are great words to end this episode by. Uh, to our audience, go check out Igor's links. They're right beneath this video and in the podcast show notes. And like always, don't let this be for nothing. I want you to pick one action item from today. Maybe that is to check out e-farming. Maybe that is to uh, go and get the book. Maybe it's some other goal that you've been procrastinating on that's really gonna make a difference in your business. Go and do that thing today and then come back and check out our future episodes. Uh, until next time, this is the Creative Collaboration Show with Chuck Anderson. My guest has been uh, Igor Kafetz. And uh, go out there, keep, uh, keep on moving forward in the pursuit of your dreams, and we will see you on the next one. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Collaborators Toolkit. If you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships, our free Collaborators Toolkit contains the best resources from our workshops, as well as contributions from our guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday business challenges and to access highly effective ideas that can grow your business exponentially. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to our show. 
You can get free instant access to the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting our website at www.collaboratorsunite.com forward slash toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. Register today and I'll see you on the inside.